0: Well, good morning, everybody. Whether you are uh, new here today or for the very first time, maybe online, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor here, and this is Bruce, former lead pastor and now our tech director. And uh, Hello. Yeah, there you go. So, I don't know, those stats that you just read. Uh, you didn't a do a while. very good <laughs> job. You <laughs> <laughs> no, need one little piece of cardboard under yeah. there or something. We're going to fix that real quick. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, you know, those stats are kind of overwhelming, aren't they? when you you start looking at those things. And last week, Trevor started this conversation. And this is something that we've been talking about basically in the office for the last few months, several months.
1: Yeah, ever since Trevor had that conversation with all of us as a staff and brought it up, we've been discussing it ever
0: since. Yeah, and and we've had some amazing conversations. And when we decided to do the series, we just said, we want to bring that conversation back to everybody here. and if you didn't get a chance to see Trevor's teaching last week, I highly, highly recommend men going back and, and really listening to what he has to say. And he's just got this passionate this burden for what youth are going through today. And honestly, as we, the more we talked about this,
1: it's just not youth. No, it, it's easier to see in youth because we have more statistics. And it, I think it's more pronounced because in some of these things, the culture keeps moving in a disturbing trend, but it's
0: in all of us. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things that Trevor said last week is is young people are a barometer of what we value and prioritize in our culture. And if that's the case, when you see these stats in here, you're thinking there is something amiss, there is something wrong that's going on, because we're not getting the results that we are hoping for.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, to me, as we had this conversation with Trevor, basically his... Question to all of us as staff was, you know, if these are true statistics, are we getting what we wanted from what we're doing? And if we're not, then shouldn't we be changing something? Yeah, something. Something. And I think we would all say that's not the direction we want to go. No, we don't
0: want our kids feeling all this anxiety, right. all this right. stress, everything that's going on in their lives. And 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 as we were talking about this whole thing, you know. I think one of the things he said last week that I, I, I'm hoping that everybody caught, and, I, and I've had a lot of conversations with the Crossbridges this week, and it's been great conversations, but I, I don't want us to miss this one thing is because I would say that everybody here calls themselves Jesus followers and say the one, number one priority for me and my family is that God is first in our lives and that they're, they're gonna follow Jesus. I mean, that is what we're trying to, to get.
1: Right.
0: And his challenge to us basically was is that what we're really showing our teens? Is this really what's showing our children? Is this really what we're showing even our families, what have you? Is, is God really the number one priority?
1: Because if it was,
0: it shouldn't look like those statistics. Exactly. Right? And I wonder if we would ask ourselves, and truly ask ourselves, is what I'm doing with my family, is the time I'm spending in my life, if I open up my checkbook, if I open up my calendar and look at all the things I'm doing, would it all lead to a God-centered, a Jesus-centered life? And, and I would just argue with the culture we're in, the, the things that's happening in our lives, and, and this is going to sound like I'm bashing some things, and we don't want to sit here and really say, hey,
1: right.
0: you know. But my guess is our calendars and, and our checkbooks would say that we, our first priority is sports, academics. We talked this week, show choir. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, you know, some of the other stuff?
1: Well, st- for, even for those of us, who are older or don't have that age kids, it's achievement in our careers, yes. it's whatever, it's that achievement mindset of accomplishing. Right. And, um, you know, we joked that um, I'm probably the worst one to be up here because... I fall right into that category. We've so. actually
0: done, done a series like this almost every year. Yep. Because it's something that we knew going in, but now we're starting to see the fruits of this. And, and, and when I told Bruce, I said, hey, I want you to team teach with me today. He said, oh, so I can sit up here and tell, and everybody knows that I stink at this anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, but it, and we struggle with this. And, and again, it's our whole calendar thing. and. and and it's not that these, th- these other things are bad. I'm not, we're not up here. We love sports, you know. Obvious. Yeah, <laughs> we, you know, we do sports. And, and it's yeah. not that we're saying, hey, we're trying to bash these things. We're just saying, can we just be honest for a second and look at our schedules and look at the time we spent, look at the money we spent, and say, what are the things that are our priorities in our lives? Does it really point to God being the first priority in our lives and family?
1: Yeah, and I don't know how else to say it other than, Again, are we producing the results that we want to produce with our own lives and with our kids' lives? Yeah. And if not, then there has to be a reason for that. And I think what we're saying is one of the reasons is uh, lack of margin in our lives, right. lack of focus on putting God first, and, and yeah. some other things that we're going to talk about. And,
0: today. When, and when we understand that, what happens is we, we say, yeah, we do need more margin. We need... And I would argue that the very first... And this is true in my life. Yep. yep. The very first thing we cut out is right. God. Yep. It's the first thing we cut out of our finances. It's the first thing well, we cut...
1: Well, and the two things, God, and then what we're going to talk about today is, um, I think, real relationships, right. real friendships. Yeah. Which are the two things that would absolutely combat all the stuff we just saw. Yeah. And they're the first two things we cut out.
0: One of, one of the things that, that I really... It really hit me today, uh, or this week as I was looking at this, and, and I don't know if it was you or somebody else said, you know, what do we define success for our family and our children? And, and as I look back, now my kids are, are you know, are, are grown, have all kinds of grandkids now, I can't count them all. And, uh, and as I look back, I, I wonder about that, you know, what did I count as success? And, and I think right. I, success to me, the definition was, was not what it should have been. Yeah. And I think that's what happens and I think that's what we want to challenge ourselves as as individuals and as a body today of what answer that question for yourself. What does success look like for my children? What does success look like? And there's there's a lot of good things. I mean, when you think about the list, you think about, you know, I'd love them to, to come out and have a a great job, you know, and and, and have If you're in in school, I want them to have good grades. You know, that's all good stuff. I I want them to be a good athlete. I want them to be, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But there's also that other level of I want them to follow Jesus. Right. And and last night I had, I told you this morning, I I had this kind of epiphany, if you will, that that we know how to to set kids up for success in jobs, in careers, and in sports, and in academics. We know what it takes to do all those things. So we're very good at that. But when it comes to setting up our kids to follow Jesus with all their heart, we, we, we yeah, struggle there. Yes, so, I
1: mean, the hard question we have to ask ourselves is, um, if this is the way our kids are turning out and the way the the next few generations are turning out, um, is it because we don't know how to do those things ourselves enough to model it and to lead them to the places? And that's where I came is yeah. that that
0: I knew the steps. I knew, you know the practices, the, the, the studying, the homework, of right. all those things for all those things. But when it came to how do I prepare my kids to follow Jesus the rest of their lives, I miserably failed at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hit and miss, you know, right. but as I look now, and, and maybe it's just because of the stage of life I'm in, you know, uh, and and watching, our, you know, our our parents have now all passed away, and I think there's a generation gone. Right. I'm the next one to go, by the way, you know. We're very weird. Our, our, our next generation. <laughs> and But it's, you start refocusing and thinking, Beginning of this year, I decided every day in my prayer life, it's going to be. Talk, I'm going to pray for my kids and my grandkids that they wholeheartedly follow Jesus. That's the only thing that's important to me
1: now. Yeah, you know, I mean,
0: their batting average didn't matter. Right. Their, their grades didn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. It's this is the only thing that's important to me.
1: And I think we've said that all our lives, yes. right? But as we get oh. more into our ages, we realize, did we really live that? Or did we just yeah. kind of give it lip service That's because exa- it was... That's exactly how I look. ...the thing we were supposed yeah. to say? And did we model it? Right. And And, I mean, I think we would all agree that probably not to the level that we should
0: have. Exactly, and, exactly. And you're all going to get older. I'm just telling you that right now. So it's just <laughs> not me, all right? Yeah. Uh, there's this... this uh, uh, pastor we follow. His name is Craig Rochelle, and Here's a quote that, that he said. And I, this actually came up on my Facebook feed. I, I posted this a few years ago. And here's, it, it just came up this week. I thought, wow, this is exactly, our greatest fear should not be failure, but failure. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at things that don't matter. That is some powerful stuff, especially yeah. in, in the world we're living in, what we're talking about here. You know, and Jesus warned us all, all about this. And in Matthew six, he, he tells us not to store up our treasure in heaven. You know where where moths he tells us to store up our treasure yeah. in heaven, not here on earth, where moths and, and, and rust destroy this whole thing. And, and Mark 8 goes on and says, you know, what good is it do you, do you, to gain the whole world? And that's what we're setting ourselves up, and our children up, and our families up as gaining all this worldly stuff when what really matters is is a spiritual well-being. And I just think it's it's something we've got to be be aware of.
1: Yeah, and I think where our discussions have gone this week have been well, then what can we do or, or where have we missed the mark or, yeah. or what are the things that could change this? Um, and obviously part of it is, you know, living out our relationship with God to a fuller extent. Um, but I think we also want to talk a little bit today about another particular area that I think is, is, you know, again, I sit up here and I feel so weird because it's an area I struggle in. Right. Right. Um, but it's so important for us to get right or we're going to keep going in the direction yeah. with those stats. And I
0: think, if, if, again, if we're all honest, we all struggle with this area of our lives. I've noticed it even myself in the last few years. And, and so, you, you know, kind of set us up for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, as we were talking about this, I went kind of looking at all those statistics and went, oh, man, there really is loneliness and a lack of joy. In people's lives uh, especially younger generations and so I started thinking about where does joy come from right and one of the things that hit me was really thinking through this cultural pressure between achievement and the things that we say we should really care about and even when you achieve the ultimate things it seems like there's a satisfaction that goes along with that. Like I've experienced achievements in my life. It's a big part of what drives me to do the things I do. And I I feel some satisfaction because of those achievements. But the few times that I've experienced pure, real joy in my life always comes in the context of relationships with other people like either we've achieved something together as a team and I get to share that with people or um or I get to see someone I've poured into succeed at something and I get to feel the joy of them accomplishing something and it it just really set me on this course of thinking through this co- this idea that if we're lacking joy then part of what we're lacking is re- the relationships that we need to form the context to have joy in. Um, you know, you may be familiar with the Galatians 5 passage that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And and joy is one of those things that is a byproduct of a relationship <laughs> yeah. with God through the Spirit. And you take the Spirit out of it, you don't get joy. You may get accomplishment, you may get satisfaction, but you don't get joy outside of relationships.
0: Right. And, and I think that's so true. And I would say that as of late, it's the one thing that we continue to hear, and, and we've, especially during COVID, is we've been yeah. separated and, and, yep. and what have you, is, is a, there's this longing and there's this want for connection. And and, you know, we've tried to doing connection events and, and getting right. people connected and doing different things. And, and there's this innate thing in us that we want to be connected. But we've honestly lost how to do that. We don't know how to do it anymore in our culture.
1: Right. And I think that's one of the startling conclusions we came to is um, I think our kids are struggling with it the yeah. next couple of generations because if we're honest, we stink at it. Yeah. Um, technology is one of those things that has allowed us to grow the number of relationships, but I think it's we've sacrificed the depth. And I want to talk a little bit today about the difference between relationships and friendships. Like, who are your friends? Who do you have on your team, in your corner? And um, I think we've expanded the number of relationships because we have so much ability to connect with each other through phones and texts and social media and stuff. But I think we've and it, replaced it, and
0: it gives us a, the illusion that we right. have all these friends and we have right. all these relationships and things. But yet we but know there's something missing deep down inside, and right. and we don't know where to where to go from that because right. we're not getting the actual joy and, exactly. and friendships, if you will, in those deep relationships. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So. So I was looking this week at um, a passage of scripture that it was funny because this is honestly most of the time we try to start with a passage of Scripture and let Scripture lead us in the direction it goes. This one, I'll just be honest, was born out of lots of conversations we've had and things that we were talking about and how did we want to discuss this today. And it was after we did all that that I looked back at this piece of Scripture and went, oh yeah, Bible says that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it comes out of Ecclesiastes 4. And you've probably heard pieces and parts of this Scripture before, but I just, we decided let's just talk about a few of the things that this passage says because it hits exactly what we're talking right. about today. So uh, it starts off Ecclesiastes 4, starting with verse 4, and this is the writer of Ecclesiastes is kind of going through a a frustrating time. You know, he would fit right in with the people I, in these statistics. I would say this, right?
0: this is us today. Right, this is us
1: today. Right, right. And so he's just writing down his feelings, and this is what he says. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. But better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. And if we stop just even there for a second, and Trevor used this yeah. um, quote from Billy Graham last week, if you missed it, you should go back and see it. but uh, for those of you who are younger and d- didn 't grow up with Billy Graham like we did like he was he was the model christian uh, a man that had an incredible heart for for people and for showing people to love God and he did these uh, big evangelistic crusades and everything and and people still to this day look up to him because he did it with integrity and humility and just, just a really a person after God's heart. And at the end of his life, basically, he said the same thing that you've typically heard a lot of people say when they get older. And that's, um, if I look back and had any regrets in my life, it's that I didn't spend more time with God and with my family. And he didn't say, he even went on to say, um, kind of like, uh, I wish there were, I would have taken less trips, there, but there were still times where I had to. And he didn't say, I shouldn't have done what God called me to right. do. That wasn't what he, he shouldn't have said, I should never have been an evangelist. I should have never done all these crusades. Basically, what he was saying was, um, I would have taken this much less achievement to have this much more relational, right. you know, time. And for me, I mean, that's, it says exactly. better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing effort. Like, it doesn't mean give up what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't mean stop chasing things. It doesn't mean stop trying to achieve and be what God has called you to be. And this is, this is where I struggle. is just what if you gave up a, a little, little bit, bit of that to gain more of what really matters?
0: And, and when we start cutting, you know, it, it, we want the achievement, we want the success, and when we start cutting and trying to say, okay, yeah, we do need more margin, we leave that there and we take it from all the other, right. we take it from our relationships, we take it from God, right. we take it from all these. And I think that's where we get messed up because we think this is, what, this is what the standard in culture is, so this is what i got to do. Right. And when you think about what Jesus called us to do and how, how to live, it was so counterculture. He warns us time right. and time again, no, don't worry about yeah, that. You're not going to fit in. And he never said, don't be successful. Right, Don't, exactly. don't try to achieve Just understand there's a balance there somewhere, and we we as followers of Jesus, I believe, have just gotten that, me included, have gotten that totally out of whack.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and I I mean, I keep saying it, but I'm the worst offender at this. Um, Happened again this week with something in our family and and, uh, where I had to make a decision between spending time in relationship or getting all the things done for work that I had to get done, and I, like, it was, it hurt me. To make the decision to do the relationship thing, and then uh, my wife keeps telling me, Becky keeps telling me, uh, you know, but the world doesn't crash if you make that decision, right? Like the world still goes. And That's, sure enough, I get up the next morning. I'm like, oh, it's it's, it's still all there. It's it's, That's a brilliant comment because it
0: is. It, it you know, and, and it's one of those things that we just think that
1: he every, just called you brilliant. Yeah, I
0: did call you brilliant. Hey, you're you're all you're all over this. <laughs> 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 she totally agrees with I me. I know it is one of those she has things that, that, that you think that yeah, if I don't do this, it's, it's right. And I come back to a lot of times. Even I think about this as, as leading the church, and and I can't. I don't remember what scripture it is, but God can raise up the stones to to do what He needs to get done. Right. It's not.
1: He doesn't need me. to We are do so it.
0: arrogant to think that it, exactly. everything revolves around everything that I have to do. If I don't get it done, God can't get it done. And, and that's
1: and that's with our careers, and honestly, it's also with our kids and stuff. Absolutely, right? Like if we don't give them all of the choices and all of the uh, all options, all the experiences, and all the experiences. And, you know, and uh, short sidebar, because we've been, because we talk about sports a lot, and that's kind of part of our culture, uh, and we love sports. Um, we actually were. Uh, that topic came up, and we were listening to a guy who is from Australia. Who, oh, yeah. Um, uh, his job was to find uh, high performance athletes at a young age and get them ready to like, be part of the Australian Olympic teams and stuff. He was supposed to identify the kids that could grow into these Olympic athletes the elite. The elite, elite. yeah, high, high performance elite. And you know what he told this group of parents? Talent at a young age is the worst indicator of a high-performance athlete when they grow up. Absolutely the he, worst. He, he
0: said at 10, 11, 12 years old that if, if you're thinking because they are so much better than everybody else and they are achieving so much, that, that has nothing Absolutely whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. In He's, fact,
1: he says, he basically said, I feel sorry for you because your yep. kid will never be that person. Exactly has nothing to we do with We have the link
0: that. if you want to hear it. Isn't yeah. that encouraging today? It, it, it's interesting. <laughs> it really to... is. Yeah, it is. And he
1: even said, at, your, at young ages, um, don't specify sports. Don't get them into all this stuff. He said, teach them character and, and the things that will uh, produce drive in them. Yeah. He said, focus on those things. He said, the people who become high-performance athletes are the people who have such a passion for it that they're going to do it whether you get them in every sport or not. Whether you spend all your money and all your time doing all that stuff is not going to make one bit of difference. They're either going to do it because they have a passion for it or they're not. Yeah. And we think, well, if I don't yeah. provide all that stuff for them, they're going to fall behind. They're not, you know, or they're going to miss out on what God made them to be. No, they're not.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Scripture goes on. Stop me when you want to okay. say something. Okay. <laughs> Verse 8, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable yeah. business. I mean, there,
1: there again, he's basically saying, so here's somebody who's chased all that stuff. And he turns and he goes, who am I doing this for? Um, you know, it, it means nothing without doing it in the context of real friendships yes. that you get to share it with. Yeah. And um, this is something, I told Brad, the way my life has gone the last few years, um, I think this is just a God thing that he, he blessed me with that I didn't do on purpose. But um, some of you know, when I changed roles, one of the things I did is I backed down to just one day a week here at the office. So I'm here on Fridays. And uh, I do the stuff I do helping other churches and stuff the rest of the week. And I did that thinking, um, I want to still be involved. I love this church. I love the mission. Um, I love the people here, and I still want to be involved. And I don't want to leave the church, you know, hanging. There's some things I think I could contribute here, blah, blah, blah. So I was doing it for all those reasons, right? All the right reasons. Yeah. And then this week, we're going through this, and I'm like, I need this in my life because over the years I've had a chance to develop some very deep friendships here. And I need, in a sense, because I won't choose this myself, I need to be forced to take a day a week to not do my other stuff so that I have to come here and go to lunch with these guys. Because I need... We like to eat. We do. Um, (laughs) And it's something now that we look forward to and we've been actually having discussions. I've, been, I've started realizing how much I need that to stay healthy. And I hate to admit that because I'm all about accomplishing and trying to help. And, but to give up, in a sense, 20% of, of what I could be achieving for the purpose of keeping deep, lasting relationships in my life I'm really just now starting to realize I have to have that, and that's what brings joy. Right.
0: Yeah. And honestly, that's exactly what the rest of these verses say, starting in verse 9 again. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Bruce, I'm not lying down with you. I'm nope. just saying that, okay. But how can one keep warm alone? Sorry. That, that, we'll, I know, it's a weird. Let's cut that next service. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> It's
1: a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not quickly broken. And here again, it's something that we all know that we have to have these deep relationships. We have to have friends. We We, we have to have people and live in community. It's what... We talk about it all the time, and I don't think there's anybody in here that would disagree with that, right. but we're not doing it but we well. we don't
1: do what it takes And there's
0: a difference it. between relationships and friendships, and so I think that's where we just want to kind of wrap up today and yeah. spend the rest of our you time Yeah.
1: You know, if on. we go, yeah, so I agree with that, but what do I do? And I think um, I don't have the full answers to this, and I've not gotten it right. Um, and, and I
0: have a note here, I just want to get it. it, is when we talk to Trevor, he says this yes. is one of the, the issues that he sees most right now in... Your kids and teens, and, right. and I would even say children. Yeah. You know, and, and you may think they have all these friends, but do they have friendships? Well, these I asked Trevor friends. this yeah.
1: week at lunch, I said, as I've been thinking about this, would your youth kids say that they have close relationships? And right away, he said, no. He said, they don't have friends, they just have people that they know and they hang out with and they text but all of them would say, I don't have close friends. And here's what I mean by close friends. There's a difference between people you know and people you have relationships with. Friends, to have friends takes time and it takes vulnerability. And when I say time, I don't mean um, we come in here and there's people that we talk to for 10 minutes before we go have lunch. Like, I'm talking years Years of time where it's not, um, it's not about just work or, or what you're doing. It, I think all friendships probably start because you have something in common with someone. Uh, you know, I think back to the relationships we've built on the staff, they started because of common interest and a common mission and a common goal, but they became what they are because we spent so much time together not just pursuing that but just being people who shared life with each other and were willing to share the things in life that um, are messy and vulnerable and, and then being able to be that for someone else. And so how do you get friends? Because I, I, I'm guessing that a lot of people in here are going, yeah, I feel that. Like, not only just for my kids, but I don't have any friends. And there's no magic formula to it. We try to set up things here at church to foster that beginning stage of maybe finding some common interest, or uh, through Bible studies, you may find one or two people that you really start connecting with and you feel vulnerable with. And, and we can kind of do things as a church to create environments where those things get started, but it's still no substitute for years of, you know, lunches, having people over, um, you know going on vacations together, I you know, it's whatever. But, and then when you do those things, having real discussions about the real things in your life that you're struggling with. Um, and man, if you can do that with one or two or three people, um, that's what combats loneliness and stress. A cord of three strands can't be broken. I don't stress as much in my life when I know there's other people that are carrying the burden with me. And then the the plus side of that is that's where I get to experience pure joy. Yeah. I remember listening a mm-hmm. long time ago to to someone talk about how um, he and his friends every once in a while would just go to dinner and they would get a, a table at a restaurant and they would just sit there talking and laughing and and you know, like belly laughing kind of stuff, most of the time at each other for hours. And he said, I sat back one time and just went, this is what heaven looks like. Yeah. And that's the joy that you get from those deep relationships. And if we had those things, I think we would help our kids understand how to develop those better. Um, And then I think they would feel less lonely, less stressful, less without friends too, and you, but you got to give up something to get it, there. Exactly.
0: And that's, that's where I was going to go next is, and again, it's realizing that. And my guess is that, because even when you were saying that, you probably remember times that you have had those kind of lunches or dinners or, you know, small group, whatever, where right. everybody's laughing and, and they've become more infrequent you know i can say that in my life yeah and uh, our small group that we've been together for forever and over the last two or three years it's just kind of fall and we sh- now we're starting to get back together and and it has been some of those times and and the joy is, is back and and some of those those relationships that mean so much and they all started i mean that group of people all started because we were all serving together in a ministry here
1: yeah
0: didn't know each other from adam yeah but but now that we've spent some time with as a saint like i said is that what you're longing for? Is that what you are looking for in your lives? And, and we've just got to create the space, the margin, to be able to start developing. And this week when you came to me and said, you know, so often we have people come in here and say, well, you know, I, I can't find any connections. Or anything. It, it literally does take years, years to develop these kind of relationships. But it
1: is so worth
0: it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely worth it. Yeah,
0: so don't give up. Don't give up. Any last words?
1: No, I would just ask... Um, you know, each of us to think through, you know, who's on your team, who's, who's that person that you can call when, you know, everything's going wrong and you're all stressed out, and, um, you know, yes, it's great to have a body of believers, and it's great to have, you know, a prayer group that we can ask to pray for us, but who's that one or two people that, you? and it, honestly, um, it, it could be family, could be. It could. You know, hopefully one of them is your spouse if you're married. But um, don't give up on searching for that and making time for it because that is so much more important than just achieving the next thing.
0: Absolutely. Hey, let me pray for us today. Fathers, we just sat here and, and talk about this, and <laughs> it's so funny that... W- We have all these conversations this week and talking about scripture and and here it is. You you laid it out right here for us. And so often we just miss it. Mm -hmm. So God, I just pray that everybody that is listening, watching this right now, that they ask the hard questions. What is my priority? What am I giving up? Um, Am I giving up the right things to create margin to be closer to you and to be closer to others and have those intimate friendships? And so, Father, I just pray that as we go forward from here that we will start making those kind of connections, that we will reprioritize reprior- our lives to put you first and to love others. God, thank you so much for just challenging us on this and challenging me on this and, yeah. and hopefully opening some eyes that, that we can become better in this area. And I think it will just, man, transform our families and our kids and our teens and our lives in general. We give you all the praise and glory for it. It's in the amazing name of Jesus.